Good morning, church. How are you doing today? Awesome. Some of you got to put those hands together to warm them up, right? You know what I'm saying? It's a little chilly out there. Well, my name is Nate. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and we just want to welcome you to New Life. All of you who are worshiping with us in, in Ogallala, as well as in North Platte, and online, and as well as being right here in Carney. We're so glad that you're here. I love being at church. I hope you love being at church. I know we got some friends, and we got some family. They're waving at me in the back. I got to say a shout out to my mom and dad over at the North Platte campus. Um, we're so glad that they're worshiping, and they get to see me. I don't get to see them, but hey. Man, we're going to continue in our teaching series called Mandate. And if you've missed this series, we've been talking about how, you know, there are uh, humans make mandates that will change. But God has mandates through his word that will, will surpass all of time. Amen? And they are the best thing for us. And so I don't know about you, how many of you grew up in a house full of mandates? Come on, somebody, talk to me today. Anybody at all of our campuses, you grew up in a house full of mandates, you had rules, good rules, right? My parents had good rules for us as well, and they were straight out of the Bible, and they taught us how to conduct ourselves and treat each other, and so hopefully you had some good moms and dads or somebody, some guardians that taught you, like, hey, you need some mandates to guard your life, those will be good things. Well, I grew up in a family, I'm the oldest of three boys, and so it's me, and then my brother uh, Matt, and then my brother Jordan, and then I have my parents, but I want to show you a quick picture from the 90s. Can I show you a picture of us? All right, here we go. I'm going to throw myself under the bus. There I am with my glasses. You can see me. All right, come on. Yeah, the girl section is like, yeah. And all the dudes are like, dude, there's, a, there's hope. If you look this dorky, there's hope for you, maybe. I'm still kind of dorky, but whatever. Hey, so this is a picture that was taken back in the 90s, and the 90s called, and they said, hey, we want our turtlenecks back. And my wife tells me that turtlenecks are coming back, and I think it's because of COVID. You know, if you forget your mask, you just throw up your turtleneck. Woo! But this picture was taken during a time at the North Platte campus when we had a church directory. Anybody remember church directories? You'd show up. Yeah, there we go. If you don't know what a church directory is, find somebody 40 or older with gray hair. They'll be able to tell you. Basically, it was like Facebook for the church back in the day. Everybody would go and get their picture taken, and then they would have their name and their phone number and their address if you ever needed just to flip through and find out who it was in the church or if you didn't know anybody. So my mom, she's probably pinching my brother Matt saying, you're going to smile for this thing because everybody in the whole church is going to see it. But we look like the perfect family. We got it all together. But just a few short weeks later, my mom, my mom used to do a thing for Christmas. She would always send out a Christmas letter or a New Year's letter, and she would make us take a photo. And this was before, like, you could actually, like a digital camera where you could actually see what the photo looked like. And she told us, boys, she said, now you guys, we're going to take six photos. Hopefully, we'll get one right. So if one of you blinks or one of you is not smiling, hopefully we can get the best photo. Well, this was the best photo we got from after we got the film developed. There you go. Here you can see my brother, Matt. I'm throwing him under the bus. We knew what to do. My brother, Jordan, and I, we knew what to do. We're like, hey, we're going to do this. But my brother, this was the best one we could, we could get because every, you know, every photo, his face was this way or this way or his tongue was hanging out. He was doing all this crazy stuff. So I'm just here to tell you we're not the perfect angels that you thought we were. We grew up fighting and boxing and playing and WCW and going to town on each other and wrestling all the time. And I remember my parents saying stuff like this, well, why don't you just stop fighting with each other? When are you going to learn to love one another? Can't you learn just to get along with one another? My parents would always say these one another things. Did you know that there's 59 Bible verses in the Bible that talks about one another? There's a, there's, why is there verses about one another? Because God created us for relationship. God created us to be in community with one another. There's verses like you should encourage one another. That's a good one, right? 
You should love one another. Happy Valentine's Day, right? Yes, happy Valentine's Day. There's another one there that says you should greet each other with a holy kiss. Praise the Lord we're not doing that one. Amen? The Europeans, they got that one still going on, but the Americans are like, I'm done with that. But there's, one, there's a ton of one another verses, and I, remind, I remember my parents teaching us a one another verse, which was a mandate for us to forgive one another. How fun is that? That's not fun at all. I don't know about you. But to forgive one another, but it was a mandate, and it's in the Bible. So if it's in the Bible, it's good for you. Amen? Amen. Come on. Dude, the young people, where are you at today? If it's in the Bible, it's good for you. Come on. There we go. Thank you. You can hear them at the Carney Campus. Hopefully at Ogallala, you can hear them as well. Here's our theme verse for today right here. It's found in Matthew chapter 6. It says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. So this is how this went down at my house. Okay, you ready for this? When my brothers and I were fighting and one's crying and we're not getting along with each other, my mom would pull us together, my mom and dad would pull us together and make us stand face to face, eye to eye, and one would say, I'm sorry, and the other one would say, very good, I forgive you. I don't know what normal family you thought I was raised in, but nine times out of ten, the person said, I don't forgive you. I don't forgive you. I don't feel like forgiving you. And when mom would turn her head or look away, we'd be like, I'm going to give it to you when she gets done with us. You know what I'm saying? Anybody else? Right. I don't forgive you. I don't feel like forgiving you. You stole my toy or whatever you did. You punched me. You hurt me. You're making me cry. I don't want to forgive you. I don't feel like forgiving you. And so for us today, with all compassion and empathy in my heart, I understand that there are people today that you've been hurt very, very deeply. Some of you are carrying wounds around that you've been carrying around for 20 years. Somebody said something to you, a teacher said something to you when you were in junior high, and it still sticks in the back of your mind. And you're dealing with unforgiveness of a situation that has taken place. For some of you online today, others of you at all of our campuses, you've been physically emotionally or sexually abused and there's real pain that's in the house for others of you you've been abandoned by a parent or a guardian and it's left a deep wound for others of you you've been stabbed in the back by a family member a friend or a co-worker maybe even a business partner they stabbed you in the back they they said they were going to treat you the way that they would want to be treated and they totally just took advantage of you For others of you, for another person today, maybe your spouse cheated on you. It's hard to forgive. You're never going to forget. And you have this wound of just unforgiveness. How am I going to deal with this? What am I going to do? And you just carry it around with you. For another person, somebody didn't even hurt you, but they hurt your loved one. They hurt a, a sister or a brother, a mom or a dad. And so you've taken that weight on you and you said, you know what? That's mine to own and I'm going to take that. For somebody else today, it could be you've done some really bad things and you feel like you've been forgiven by God, but you can't seem to forgive yourself. That's where we're going today. We're going to look at forgiveness and what does it look like. And so today, I understand that there's some deep wounds that are going on in the house today and as well as online. And you feel like I have a legitimate reason, Nate. You don't know what's going on. You don't know my past. You don't know the pain that it's caused. And you're like, man, Nate, you don't understand. And I totally get that. So I want to ask you this question. How are you really doing? How are you really doing physically? And how are you really doing emotionally? 
Because I want to share 14 warning signs with you this morning. 14 warning signs that unforgiveness is or may be eating you alive. And I want to look at these 14 warning signs. So it's, it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit and these 14 warning signs. You tell me or you tell yourself, oh yeah, that's me. I have unforgiveness to, in my life. Let's look at the first one. Burst of anger. You're someone that you, you find you're lashing out at people. The people that you're lashing out at aren't even the people that you're angry with, but there's so much turmoil going on inside of you that you're just like, man, it, it's the last straw and I just find myself bursting out in anger. That could be the first one. The second one is this. Petty, impulsive. You find yourself making a molehill into a mountain. You're passive-aggressive. Somebody sends you a text that you don't like, you send them back a whole laundry list of like this letter and you respond back with this passive aggressiveness and you're just, you're just petty and you're impulsive and you just can't control yourself and you just, you're just tense all the time. The next one, desperate to be understood. So many times we feel like, man, this person has wronged me. If I can email them, send them a text, leave them a voicemail or call or, you know, post something. If I can just let them know, explain to them, sit down and have coffee with them, explain to them how I feel. Maybe they'll come around. Maybe they'll come around and say, you know what, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? You just have this desperateness to, to be heard and somebody to understand what you're going through. The other one is compulsive. This, this happens where we try to control things. We try to control everything because we can't control the one who's hurt us. This sometimes can happen if you've been hurt by a loved one. You go to a reunion. You go to see, visit family. You, you, might buy, you might be a helicopter mom. You're just like, this person's hurt me, and I'm not going to let you hurt my kids. Not a bad thing. Protection. But you're just compulsive. i got to control everything. And that, another one is Blame playing the blame game. The weather stinks outside. The person that you're mad at, they can't even control the weather, but you're blaming them because the weather's terrible. You know what I'm saying? You're blaming them for everything, or maybe you're even blaming yourself. You're like, man, this thing I could not even control. I had no, there's no way I could have controlled it, but you blame yourself. Another one, avoid places. This, oft, this is what I do. If I know somebody's going to be at a certain place at a certain time, and I've got a riff with them, I'm not showing up there. Because I don't know how I can, I'm going to respond, if I can just be completely transparent. Sometimes I'm going to be like, yeah, I got it all together. You didn't hurt me. I'm tough. I got it. Other times I'm like, we avoid places. There's this butterfly inside of us. It's like, man, I do not want to run into that person. They've hurt me, and you're carrying that around. Another one, sick. This is stress-related. This could be anxiety. This could be depression. This could be high blood pressure. You're physically, this unforgiveness is manifesting itself in the physical where you're physically sick because of the stress and anxiety that, you, that you're carrying around called unforgiveness. Another one, keep a list of offenses. This one's an easy thing to do where we keep a list of offenses. I can tell you on such and such date, such and such time, this person did this to me, and you just continue to add to the list, and it just continues to build a wall in your heart. It hardens your heart. And you just build and list and list and list and list. You never forgive the person. Another one, hate who you've become. Other people have pointed this out in you. You've changed. Something's different about you. You don't even like who you become. You, you become this angry, bitter person, this person that doesn't trust people any longer because he did this to me and so you think all men are like this. You know what I'm saying? This is that thing where you hate who you become because it's affected everything about you. Another one, 
You replay the scene. For some of you online today, you're watching and you're like, Nate, I can replay the scene. I know exactly what happened. This is what took place. Others of you at all of our campuses, it's the same thing. You just replay the scene over and over and over, expecting something different, but it's the same. Gossip. You gossip about, about other people or about this person, and what you try to do is you try to get people to join your team. If you can get other people to hate this person, then man, you're winning, right? We can tend to be that person. It's like, here, let me tell you my offense. You just want to tear, tell your story, and all it does is tear down the other person. You're gossiping about them. Exercise towards judgment. This one comes out in a number of different ways. This one, there's so much pain going on. You might drink a little alcohol, but then you turn and drink a lot of alcohol. You, you have poor judgment when it comes to all the pain that's really going on. This can turn out, this can come, this can be about even overeating. It can come out in overeating. It's like, man, I have zero self-confidence. This person has torn me down so bad that you just find yourself, oh, I'm just going to feed this desire because I've been beat down so bad. It also looks like compulsive in buying. I have to buy things often and, and all the time because it makes me feel good about myself. It adds purpose and value to my life. If you can't sleep, because the anxiety, this one you take a little bit, pain medicine can come out in a number of different ways with this one, excessive poor judgment. Righteous entitled. This person walks around like a, with a chip on their shoulder. They tell themselves, yes, yes, I've forgiven that person, but you know that you're lying to yourself that you've never really forgiven that person. You walk around yourself guarded because people, that person has hurt you, you're not going to allow yourself to be hearted, and so you just have this entitlement, like, I got it together, but you know you're lying to yourself, and you only know that. Nobody else does. Refuse to confide in others. Others have told you, hey, maybe you need to go see a counselor. You need to go share what's really going on. Maybe they give you some advice. Maybe they said, hey, you need to go talk to a pastor, and you're like, no, I got this. I can do this. I don't need, I can't afford counseling. I, I get it. it. It could be expensive, it could be as, as even if they've invited you or said, hey, why don't you go talk to my life group leader? No, I got this. I don't really want to change. I like carrying this around. It makes me feel comfortable. And what I, what I saw this week as I was praying is I saw people's hearts walking around as if they're normal, but their hearts are in straitjackets. Our hearts are in straitjackets. We look and we can function pretty normal, but we are in prison to ourselves because of what others have done to us. And for some of us, we love it. Others of us, we hate it. And today, I want to encourage us. If, you, if any of those 14 pieces resonated with you, I want to encourage you to live out the mandate to forgive one another. Is it going to be easy? Absolutely not. Left to your feelings, I don't want to do it, but I know it's what's best. This is the thing you got to know about forgiveness. Unforgiveness is like this. Drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. The unforgiveness that you're carrying around is not hurting the person that hurt you. It's only hurting you. It's only hurting you today. You're the one all wound up, anxious, overwhelmed, bitter, angry, sad, fearful, not trusting. It's you today. The other person they may not even know what's going on. So what do we need to do to understand about forgiveness, about forgiving one another? This is the thing you need to know about it. Forgiving one another is this. It's a decision and not a feeling. 
oh, that's, that stings. It's a decision. I have to willfully choose to forgive the person who's hurt me. I remember what my mom would say. We would stand in front of her, and she'd say, you, you need to forgive your brother. I don't feel like it. I don't want to. There's moments in my life with my wife and I in our relationship where we don't always want to forgive each other, but we know it's what's best. Amen? What, we're talk- what I'm talking about today is what's best. Not easy. Doesn't feel good, but it, it is what is best. I know this about all of us, if you're here today and if you're listening online, I know this, that all of us would agree and all of us would say, I want to receive the forgiveness of Jesus. All of us would say that. Well, and that's what that verse says in Matthew. It says, man, if you don't forgive, then you're not forgiven. Let's look at it again and read it out of the message version. I like how it reads. It says, in prayer, there is a connection between what God does and what you do. It's teamwork here. You can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, without also forgiving others. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. Nobody's cutting you off. You're cutting yourself off. You're cutting yourself off from God's best. I don't know about you, but I I often think of it as a funnel. Like God wants to funnel his blessing, his love, his joy into your life. But when we harbor unforgiveness, we are cutting that connection off with God. And also, when we choose not to forgive one another, we are sinning against God. I, I, think, I don't think often enough we think that. I think if, you, if we look at it this way, we go, man, I'm harboring this unforgiveness. As long as I don't cuss those people out in public or do anything that's going to get me in trouble, God's probably okay with it. And that's not what God's word says at all. It says it's sinning against God, and it cuts us off from God's best. We all want God's forgiveness and his grace, So we got to step into the flow of God's love and mercy and grace by learning to forgive. So today I want to look at a few passages in Scripture. One of them is found in Luke chapter 23. This is a a passage of Jesus. He he ultimately does, you know, the best forgiving that we can see. He models it for us. So this is what we want to model ourselves after. It says, this is Jesus being led to be crucified. Two others, both criminals, were let out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. So Jesus, he's being being crucified, he's being let out. Jesus has been beaten to a bloody pulp. He's unrecognizable. He's been whipped with glass and with bone and with rocks. His flesh has been peeled off, it's hanging off of him. Scholars say that there, is, there are intestines that are now being exposed on the outside. I mean, he's been beaten up. He's been, had a crown of thorns placed on his head. I don't know about you. I don't even like a thorn in the foot or a sliver in my hand. I can't imagine being Jesus and have the crown of thorns placed on his head. And then he's nailed to a cross by his feet. And then he's stark naked out in front of the crowd to come by and mock him. And the people yelled, so you're the king of the Jews, why don't you save yourself? And he's being beaten and he's mocked. I don't know about you, if I were Jesus, I'd been like, get him, God, wipe him out. Anybody relate? I wouldn't have felt like forgiving anybody. But Jesus' next line is this. Jesus said, read the next part with me, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. First words out of his mouth. 
Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. What I love about this and what I love about what Jesus is illustrating and tell, telling us is you got to know this, that hurt people hurt people. People who are hurting others often are hurt so bad that they don't know that they're actually hurting others. And there's a grace that is given. Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. I'm innocent. They don't have a clue what I'm doing. There are hurt people hurting people today. On the flip side, there are others of you, you know you're hurt, you're wounded, and you're hurting people, and I would encourage you to stop. My prayer this week has been that the Holy Spirit would speak to you, convict you, and that you would say, you know what, Lord, I bring that before you, Lord. I don't want to hurt anybody else. Because if the Holy Spirit brings it to your attention, that's the thing you need to work on, amen? If the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, that's the thing that you need to begin to work on. But I also love about this verse is he says, Father. There's something powerful about when we use Jesus' name. Jesus is using his Father's name, but when we say, in the name of Jesus, I forgive them, there becomes power that happens in our speech. There's, begin, there's power that begins to take place in our life. I want to encourage us to pray more in the name of Jesus than we ever have before. You can't get over the hurt that you're going through unless Jesus shows up, amen? You can't do it unless Jesus shows up and brings over the balm of healing. He works his love and his grace and that salve into the heart the heart of heart or the hurt heart that's been cracked and broken. It's Jesus doing his part when we allow him to do that. So how do we forgive one another like Jesus? I got two points for you. They're super simple, but they're very difficult to live out. Somebody say amen. Yeah, they're going to be very difficult. They're very simple, but they're very difficult to live out. The first one is pray for those who hurt you. Come on, somebody. Get out of here. Luke 6, 28 says this. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. Pray for those who hurt you. I got you. I can pray for somebody who can hurt me. You, you want to hear my prayer? If I can be transparent. Lord Jesus, hurt them as bad or send somebody to hurt them worse than they hurt me. Anybody else? Yeah. There's this revenge. Lord, get them. Bless them? <clears throat> yeah, right. But as we begin to pray for those who hurt us, there's something that begins to happen in our heart. So your first prayer might be, Lord, Lord, I don't know how you can bless them. And we do what you got to do. And I don't want to know about it because I don't want them to be blessed. There might be your first prayer. The next day or a couple days later, you're just like, okay, I'm carrying around this unforgiveness. It might be, Lord, bless them. Lord, bless them. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know you said you'll do it, so bless them. And then maybe the third or fourth time or the fifth time, the sixth time, the seventh time, I don't know how many times it's going to take for you, but it might be in the name of Jesus, I pray, God, that you would bless them. God, if they don't know you, that they would find forgiveness for their sin and their salvation be found in you, Jesus. God, I pray that they wouldn't hurt people like they've hurt me, and God, today I forgive them. In Jesus' name, would you bless them? Would you bless them? Jesus isn't done, though. He continues to deal with the heart of the matter. And he, I love what he, he, in this next piece of, of Scripture, if you and I, we've heard and read the Scripture, right? The Scripture that I'm going to pull up, we, we've heard this, we know this, we're like, yeah, that's, that's accurate, we should probably do that. But if you were a first century person, a follower of Jesus, or a first person per, person just walking around hearing Jesus speak, you'd have been like, 
what in the world is he saying? This is polar opposite of everything our culture has said. Let's take a look in Matthew chapter 5. He says, you've heard the law that says. So you have all these little, or you have all these adults and people and little people being taught the law. This is the way that you're supposed to respond to people. This is how you're supposed to love people. Like this, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. You love those who love you and treat you nice, right? And you hate those who are your enemies who treat you wrong. That's what was being taught. But Jesus comes along and he says, but I say, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. Your mind would have been blown. You'd have been like, what are you talking about? Because the Jews were teaching this, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. The Romans were teaching, oh, revenge, baby. Oh, we're, it's coming for you. If someone hurts you, you hurt them back. If someone hits you, you hit them back. If somebody flips you off, you don't give them one bird, you give them two. <laughs> Peel the banana or read between the lines, whichever one you like today. And that's why we don't have New Life bumper stickers yet. Because some of us haven't learned self-control. But revenge, right? Come on, somebody. Am I the only one? I want to get those people. I'm all about the Romans. Let's get them. Sick them. You steal from me, I'm stealing everything from you, and I'm burning down your house. That's me. That's me. And Jesus does something completely opposite. He says, no, pray for them. Did somebody hurt you? Pray for them. Are you kidding me? Did somebody abuse you? Did somebody abuse your loved one? Pray for them. Have you been mistreated or lied about? Pray for them. You pray for them. But why does Jesus say you need to pray for them? Because prayer changes the posture of your heart. When we pray for people, it changes the posture of your heart. you got to hear this this morning. Your prayer may never change the person who hurt you, but your prayer will always change your heart. Your prayer will always change your heart. It may not change the person. The person may never come back around and say, you know what, I'm so sorry. I can't believe I did this to you. They may never come around, and it's not about that. It's about my heart connected to God saying, God, I give this to you. I want to receive your grace and mercy. And so, God, I'm going to extend your grace and mercy. Praying for this person in Jesus' name, I, I, just, I know this. Praying for this person in Jesus' name, whoever it might be in your life, it will help you rid yourself of all bitterness, rage, and anger. Some of you today, you need to be set free. Your heart is in a prison today. You feel it. You know what I'm talking about. I get it. You've been wounded, you've been hurt, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry for you that you've been treated the way you've been treated. And I want to encourage you to do what Jesus said, to pray for those who hurt you. The second point today, forgive one another as you have been forgiven. The next verse is found in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. It says, forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. I don't know what you've been forgiven of, but I know what I've been forgiven of. Before Jesus, I cussed a lot. I lied and I cheated and a lot more other stuff that I don't feel like I need to air out my dirty laundry about. But there's a lot of things that I needed to be forgiven of. 
And guess what? After Jesus, as a follower of Jesus, guess what? There are still things that I battle with each and every day. There's moments where I get angry. I'm full of pride. I'm judgmental. You ever get judgmental where you're just flipping through? You're like, Facebook, Instagram, like, can't believe that person. Jeez. That's my heart. And I'm like, Lord, man, change that heart because I'm not thinking the best or believing the best in that person. So, Lord, there's moments where lust wants to creep back in. I'm not always the best at quickly forgiving. I think that's a maturing that takes place. If you find yourself dealing with unforgiveness, but you think you're a mature Christian, I just want to challenge you. Maybe you probably aren't. Because there's something that takes a special grace and a special understanding of who God is and what God has done for you that you can just forgive quickly. But he says to do it. Forgive quickly. Another, another thing we need to remember is forgiveness is how our relationship started with Christ. Christ. Our relationship with the Lord, it started with forgiveness. God initiated this relationship and forgiveness on the cross. It's found, in, it's found through Jesus, but it's found in Colossians chapter 2. It says this, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for, the, for, for he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. God did it through Jesus, amen? He initiated it. He initiated this forgiveness that all of us can receive and all of us can extend if we allow him to do so. So today, in all of our campuses, there might be some that are here and you'd say, Nate, I'm not forgiven. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I'm living for myself. I'm carrying around the weight of the world. I'm carrying around the weight of my sin in my life. But today, I want to have a relationship with the Lord. I, I want to be forgiven of my sins. And in a moment, I want to pray for you to do that. For another person today, you, you identified with those 14 warning signs of unforgiveness. You, you, you might have three or more. Maybe you only have one, but it's like the Holy Spirit was just like, boom, that's you. You know who you are today. You, who know, you know who you are online. You have unforgiveness that's going on inside. And there's bitterness there's anger, there's frustration. Let me just tell you this. I know that you're never going to forget what happened to you. But as you surrender it to the Lord, he begins to soften the pain and the hurt in your life. And there's something that happens, in, it talks about in 2 Corinthians, where as the Lord comforts us, we can then comfort others, amen? Amen. God never uses pain. God never uses the things that bring hurt and pain into our life and they just go, oh, well, there was no reason for that. God always uses pain in our life to bring us comfort so that we can turn around and comfort others if you'll allow it to do so. Others of you today, before we take communion, you're like, you know what, Nate, I don't really feel like I have any unforgiveness. I just want to encourage you to examine your heart. Because in a moment after I pray at all of our campuses, a campus pastor is going to come and lead us in taking communion. And the Bible says that it is right for us to examine. It's healthy for us to examine our heart to make sure it's right before we observe and take communion. So I don't know who you are. But I do know this, that the Holy Spirit is speaking today. So with every head bowed and eyes closed, I'm just going to lead us in prayer this morning. 
Father, today we just, we come before you. We, we sit before you as people broken, hurt, wounded. Maybe we feel normal today, God. But we sit before you in your presence and we ask that you would bring healing to hearts and lives of individuals today. That there's pain that's been brought about by other people. So Lord Jesus, today I pray that as individuals today, as they imagine the person even sitting in front of them, that they know has wounded them and hurt them. Lord, I pray that there would begin to, that, for un, that forgiveness would begin to flow as people lay down their unforgiveness today. God, I pray for individuals today that don't know you, but they want to start a relationship with you today. God, I pray that those that are crying out to you, that they would say, God, would you forgive me of my sins? Would you be the Lord and leader of my life today? Would you transform me, Jesus? Would you take this old life and make it new? God, today, would you set the captives free? Where the the heart is in bondage, it's, it's in a prison, God, today, would you set it free today of the pain? It's been held on for a long, long, long time. God, today, would you forgive us of our sins as we enter in to remembering your body that was broken and your blood that was shed for us. Jesus, today we love you and we worship you. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. This morning, church, would you stand with me? If you have the elements, I'm gonna invite you to pull those out. You can open up the top layer and pull out the bread. If you got one of those crazy ones like me where it doesn't want to peel off, but you're taking the whole thing, well, I'm sorry. I need my wife's help. Thanks, babe. You're awesome. Very cool. So we hold this wafer. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So today, church, would you just hold this for a second? Just hold it up. Just close your eyes for a minute. Would you just envision? I know I described it, and it's gruesome. But Jesus went on to the cross and was the sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. He paid a debt that we could not ever repay. And so today, God, we're thankful for your son, Jesus, to be obedient to you and to do it, to bridge a relationship between us and you. So Jesus, we're thankful and we're grateful for your body that was broken. Let's eat this together.
We'll open this thing up. I'm going to try. I'm getting all the whacked ones this morning. doesn't matter. Here we go. Man, I'm str- on a struggle bus this morning. What is up? Help me out here. First servant went awesome. Second service, not so much. That's okay. And then Jesus said, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this is the cup, the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink the cup together. Today, Jesus, thank you so much for your blood that was shed, that covers a multitude of sin and makes us whiter whiter than snow. God, you see us as perfect, even though we're not, and we're thankful for that. Jesus, we worship you and we exalt you. Today, church, I just invite you to respond to the Lord, however he's speaking to you. Respond to the Lord today in worship.